Welcome to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. We're approaching the end of the first year of the Trump presidency. And as most of you know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast or if you've just been paying attention to the world, um, the Trump administration has been damaging to a lot of institutions and laws and regulations and policies in uh, America and around the world. And IETP, of course, has been monitoring that as it relates to food, agriculture, and trade. And uh, we will be, in the upcoming weeks, releasing a uh, scorecard-type document about the Trump administration's first year. And here to talk with me about that is Ben Willist. So, Ben, um, what's the top-line message of the scorecard? I mean, we know the Trump administration has been damaging, but in what ways related to our work? <laughs> well, uh what we've seen is is a very clear pattern of repeatedly siding uh, on behalf of the interests of agribusiness companies uh, over the interests of farmers, over the interests of rural communities and and the natural resource base as well as consumers. So it's a it's a kind of a wholesale sellout uh, of government um, on behalf of agribusiness and food companies and. And you can see it in a number of different ways. Uh, our series is going to cover, uh, we'll cover trade. We'll look at how uh, the agencies have been gutted in many ways and shifted and, and reorganized in ways that benefit agribusiness. We'll look at the regulatory environment for agriculture and food. Uh, and, when, and then we'll look at uh, policies related to the agriculture marketplace, which affect both farmers uh, and workers and how repeatedly the administration has cited with agribusiness and, and they've done a lot of damage in only one year, Josh. So without getting too much down the road of what's in each section, because I think we'll do that in future podcasts, uh, there are a couple areas I wanted to touch on. The first one is Sonny Perdue as agriculture secretary, because I think that his appointment and the things that he's done in the agency speak volumes about all of the areas um, in, in which we're going to be reporting on. So. Um, What's it been like for, for Sonny coming in? Well, you know, he's a, he has a very conventional agriculture perspective and background. He's been in agribusiness himself uh, and, and during his time after he was the governor of Georgia, uh, also a, a very heavy poultry production state, I think the biggest in the country. Um, so he brought a lot of that to the USDA, he says, you know, customer service is kind of his top line goal there. But I think the question is, who's the customer? And what we see repeatedly is the customer is the big meat companies where he killed a rule recently that would have allowed farmers and ranchers to challenge um, anti-competitive practices by the meat companies. Um, he's sided with, um, the big sort of conventional uh, agriculture who has tried to oppose changes in the organic rules that would have related to animal welfare, something that the entire organic industry as well as organic farmers have been pushing for. Uh, he sided with these uh, big seed companies that are forming right now, um, three major mergers in the seed and agrochemical industry as well as in the fertilizer industry. He's been very quiet about that, and the Trump administration seems to be rushing those uh, approvals 
through. Um, and then in the case of trade, you know, he's been a very pro free trade uh, secretary uh, without really addressing any of the core issues, I think, that the farm economy is facing. We're dealing with low prices, low farm income, lack of competition, uh, challenges related to climate change and disruption in agricultural production. He's been virtually silent on all of those issues. And then if you look at more broadly rural communities, he's eliminated the, he, or is pushing to eliminate the Undersecretary of Rural Development within the USDA. So he's sort of taking rural development and then you combine that with the Trump administration's proposed budget, really giving a rural development a backseat, even further of a backseat than it already has had in, in previous administrations. Uh, so it's, it's, his performance is definitely an area of concern. Um, I want to get back to the, um, the, the, the mergers in the industry. You know, what you said was that, you know, the Trump administration has uh, done a wholesale sellout to big ag. Talk a bit more about the mergers, um, what they are, and how just how global these companies are, and how the deregulatory policy of the Trump administration, as well as trade policy, um, could further their concentration and maybe more importantly, their political power. Yeah, I mean, one of the core challenges in the farm economy right now is that there's such concentration within different sectors. A few or a handful of companies really controlling, whether it's the meat industry or the seed industry, seeds, um, it could be inputs. Um, and so it affects farmers on the, you know, their costs and, and that they have up front and it affects where they can sell what they produce. Um, so the market is really concentrated right now. The lack of competition is uh, affecting farmers and affecting their costs and what they get. Um, and so it, this was an ongoing issue. This was an issue before the Trump administration. Um, this year, three very uh, huge mergers uh, are, have been barreling forward. Um, in front of the Trump administration. And that's one with Syngenta and ChemChina. So Syngenta is a Swiss-based company, ChemChina a Chinese-based company. Um, but Syngenta controls a lot of the seeds in the United States. They're, they're a global company. They're not just a Swiss company. Uh, and then Dow and DuPont, two U.S.-based companies, but also huge, particularly in the agriculture chemical uh, part of um, the sector. And then the last merger is between Monsanto, uh, based in Missouri, and uh, Bayer, based in Germany. This would be probably the biggest of these mergers. And so the Trump administration has already given the go-ahead uh, for the Dow DuPont merger, as well as the Syngenta ChemChina mergers. The Bayer uh, Monsanto merger has passed one regulatory hurdle within the administration, and that is looking at to whether uh, foreign ownership of a company poses a, a national security risk. That's one of the barriers um, that that particular merger had to overcome. Um, they've given the go-ahead and said, no problem. Um, and so it's unclear that Justice Department is, is, they still have to pass a Justice Department review there's been no indication 
that they will block this merger. In fact, Trump met with the heads of Monsanto and Bayer prior to getting sworn in and basically said, hey, this isn't going to be a problem, guys. Um, we're going to probably approve this merger. So, you know, that would be one of the biggest and make it basically the biggest seed agrochemical company in the world, that particular merger. It may be slowed down by Europe, which is giving it a, a much tougher regulatory review. Um, but, you know, time and time again, you're seeing the Trump administration basically not consider what the impact of these mergers are on farmers, what the impact is going to be on rural communities more broadly or the environment more broadly. When you only have only a few seed companies and farmers have only a few choices for what they can grow and how they can grow it. Um, this is uh, particularly concerning in the age of climate change is we are going to need to be making some shifts. There's going to be need to be more innovation in, in the type of seeds that farmers uh, have access to and the ways in which they use and grow food. Um, and the fewer companies, the less innovation you're going to have. And so they're really setting a, a, a kind of a dangerous precedent in just one year. So, you know, like you talked about, when there's such concentration in the markets, um, the companies are controlling the price, the prices below the cost of production. Um, and the other thing I think that's maybe less uh, well recognized is that when you have these big multinational companies, um, they're not actually trading with governments or trading in between a company in a different country. They're trading between one subsidiary in country X and another subsidiary in country Y. So, you know, they're, they're really dominating the global market in addition to the U.S. market. And because they are such big global companies, um, one, they're generating a lot of greenhouse gas and contributing to climate change. But two, by changing their practices, they have a lot of ability to help mitigate the effects of climate change. Obviously, in the last year, uh, we have not seen great progress from the Trump administration on combating climate change. Um, but where are, the, where are the biggest threats? Um, how has sort of the deregulatory environment empowered corporations? And, you know, what are, what are the other climate-related impacts of the Trump administration that we need to be paying attention to? Well, I, I, th I think... Um the, with every day, it seems like the Trump administration is taking another step backwards in efforts to try to address climate change. This is week they are putting forth a plan to open up um, our oceans to more drilling along our coastline. A, a, a remarkable uh, uh, push, given that, that most uh, people and governments that are along those coasts are, are firmly against doing that, including Republicans. It's not a partisan issue, but he's basically doing whatever the oil industry asks. Um, the killing of the clean power plan um, it is, which was the Obama administration's push to regulate greenhouse gases in the United States um, from energy production, particularly coal production, um, is, a, is a major step back. Although it will be interesting to see, and I think this is the interesting aspect of climate uh, policy right now, is what are the states going to do and how are they going to step up? Um, you already see states pushing back against this offshore uh, drilling proposal 
They're pushing back against the killing of the clean power plan, pushing forward their own climate related policy. Um, and in the case of agriculture, you've seen absolutely, you know, there's just no acknowledgement that climate change is affecting agriculture, even though we had a huge series of major disasters uh, in this country, uh, weather related disasters that have deeply affected agriculture, whether it's uh, snowfalls and, the, uh, and winds, uh, rains and flooding, uh, several hurricanes, uh, drought in the, in the upper part of the uh, Midwest through much of the year. Um, you know, farmers are feeling it, ranchers are feeling it, and yet there's no acknowledgement within the administration that this is a problem. You know, they talk a lot about disaster aid, but the disaster aid's not going to be close to what's needed just this year. And if you're not gonna take that into account going forward, um, just from a fiscal responsibility perspective, it makes no sense, but really we should be emphasizing policy that builds climate resilience. No sign that that's gonna be part of the administration's push in the farm bill, and that's gonna hurt farmers and rural communities um, for years to come. On rural communities, uh, you know, I think the common perception is Trump won the election based on the strength of the rural vote, um, but is has enacted policies that in many ways have really damaged the prospects for rural areas. How has that played out in the last year? Well, you know, you've seen a series of policies that really seem to be ignoring the major concerns of rural communities, um, you know, starting with Sunny Purdue's uh, push to end the Undersecretary of Rural Development within USDA. I mean, that's a very kind of clear example. Um, but if you look at the administration's move on health care, um, really trying to undermine and kill uh, Obamacare, but not having anything in place to really replace it. And rural communities have really been struggling with health care issues. Um, and that was one of the, you know, one of the key issues that they were talking about during the elections was how Obamacare wasn't working. Well, you don't fix the problem by just eliminating Obamacare. So we're, we're already seeing, um, you know, continue healthcare related costs going up in those kind of communities in relation to some of the uh, actions by the Trump administration on healthcare. Um, you know, climate change, of course, affects rural communities and simply denying that it exists and, in fact, rolling back efforts, positive-oriented efforts to try to address it, again, really hurts rural communities. Um, you know, the opioid crisis is one of the, you know, it's a really becoming a serious issue in rural communities and, and the entire country, um, but in particularly rural. And you see just recently, uh, both the Farm Bureau and the National Farmers uh, Union have come together on a major uh, sort of campaign to try to address opioid addiction in farming, in the farming community. Um, Trump administration has shown almost no leadership on this. They've mentioned that it's a problem, um, put together a task force, again, but not addressing, and, and not addressing the kind of core issue, and, and partly what's underlying it is, you know, a struggling economy, an economy that hasn't recovered like more urban um, economies have recovered. And then I think the last thing to point out is trade. And um, while the, the disruptions that the Trump administration has created around trade, killing the TPP, 
putting the NAFTA in jeopardy. Um, you know, we as ITP really feel like those trade agreements need to be reformed. We were opposing the TPP, so we don't have a problem with, with killing it. But the question is, what replaces it? What is a fair trade oriented uh, policy that really uh, lifts up rural communities and puts, whether it's farmers or, or rural residents, uh, priorities up front? And there's been no indication that the Trump administration understands that at all. It's been just sort of a bull in a china shop. And so when you have these rural communities and rural economies that are dependent on the current trade system, it's similar to the healthcare situation where if you just kill it, uh, they're left with, with very little. And so I, I am deeply concerned about the ramifications of this approach um, sort of across different issue areas this year, what the ramifications are gonna be going forward. We're seeing greater income inequality uh, in the country and that is particularly true in rural communities and then we're seeing a growing rural-urban divide that is expanding. And the Trump administration is further expanding those two divides. And then just lastly, to wrap up, we're heading into a farm bill year. And I just want to get your perspective on how the first year of the Trump administration shapes up the uh, debate and fight on the farm bill in 2018. I think the big thing... Uh, is that they aggressively pushed for this major tax uh, reform, or I would say tax cut for uh, legislation that really uh, affects the budget uh, going forward. And it will affect how much money is available for the Farm Bill. And you can already see the focus going on the biggest part of the, uh, the Farm Bill, which is um, the SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And so a lot of poor people are going to be hurt potentially with cuts uh, related to that. Again, rural communities also are particularly, will be particularly hit by those kind of cuts. Um, and so that's the biggest impact. They haven't, they've really taken a back seat on farm policy. They're not putting forth any kind of farm bill proposals at all. Uh, so there seems to be very little vision uh, coming from the USDA and coming from the Trump administration about the type of farm policy they want, but they've set the framework up where there's going to be cuts and we're not going to, and they've done nothing to really lift up what we see as the core issues uh, in, in farm policy, which is how do we ensure farmers can make a living and stay on the land? How do we protect the environment? Um, how do we promote rural growth and real economic growth that's sustainable over the long term? Thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast, David. For more information in, uh, about what you've heard today, uh, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. Our Trump scorecard should be live on the site on January 16th, and included in that we'll have links to IATP's writing throughout 2017 on these issues. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.